and a one and a two and a... What are you doing? I was counting off everything. I was giving you the count off for the shit. And a one and a two and a go, go, go. That's okay. <laughs> uh, well, thank you, Billy. But that's not that's not how you would count off a show. That would might be how you would count off a piece of music, you see. A piece of music might be, you know, and a one and a two and You know, and it's like, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, but this is a podcast. So a podcast would like a like a... TV show or the news or any of that. Have you ever watch any of those behind the scenes things and they say, they're going, we're going live in five, four, three. You didn't say two or one. No, but did you see my hand? Five, four, three. Yeah, see, I'm moving my hand. I'm pointing. And then on one, it's boom, point to you. And you don't say anything there, you see, because that's so it's in the clear when it starts just in case it starts early or anything it's it's quiet so that's how they do they do the count off first five four three and then the two and the one are quiet just in case and it's just done with a finger point okay so five four three and two and one okay no but see you made that you made a you meant like you made like a little noise yeah, I was, I was counting in my head. Yeah, but you can't make any counting in your head. So you say, we're going live on the James Arnold Taylor podcast in five, four, three. Yeah, but then how would you know? Well, because I'm I'm here. I'm watching you. Okay. Let me try it again. Okay, you go ahead. We're going live in the James Arnold Taylor podcast. James Arnold Taylor. James Arnold Taylor podcast in five, four, three. Okay, you did, you did it again. It's okay. You know, the thing is, is you don't really even need to count the show off like that because one, we're not live. Oh, yeah. And two, it just, we're already recording. So we've recorded all of this. So this is all already part of it. Oh, okay. So, okay. This is already part of the show. Yes. Who, who, but but who is telling you to count it like a song? Oh, Hank. Of course. Hey, bring, uh, you know, you know, by the way, Billy, we've got a special guest uh, coming in. Who you probably, you probably grew up with this particular character that I voice. Uh, by the way, everybody, welcome to the James Arnold Taylor podcast. I am James Arnold Taylor. This is Billy, my intern here. Hello, everybody. Hi, I'm Billy, the intern. Okay. <laughs> That's what I just said. I know. I, I was, you know, like, trying to kind of give him a, you know, my own little thing. Oh, you want your own, like, like a little catchphrasey kind of, hey. Yeah, hey, I'm Billy, the intern. Okay. Well, you need to work on that. Um, anyways, welcome to the show. Uh, we are going to, you know, we're, so Billy, we're going to talk to a character that I voiced for many years. We've not had him on the show really yet. Who is that? Who is that? It's no Obi-Wan Kenobi. No, not Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm, Obi-Wan Kenobi, of course, was our first guest on the very first episode of the podcast. And he's been on ever since, but you know, because I voice Obi-Wan. Yes. Is it Fred Flintstone? No, which we have not had Fred Flintstone on the show yet either, but I have been the voice of Fred Flintstone for many years. Is it Spider-Man? No. The Flash? No. Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank? No, we had Ratchet from Ratchet and Clank on the other week. And people people really loved, by the way, the Ratchet and Clank interview, Billy. Yeah, I, I loved hearing it as well. I thought that was really fun and cool. And people should go back and listen to that if they haven't listened to it. That's right. Everybody that is new to the show should go and listen to old versions of the show because there's all sorts of uh, cool things on there. Yes, that's right. We're still a young show. We are still a young show. <laughs> You're learning the lingo uh, of all of it, huh, Billy? Okay. Uh, so anyways... Do you know the character that's that I'm talking about then? Magneto. No, I voiced Magneto, but no, not Magneto. The Fallen. No, not The Fallen. We've had The Fallen on the show already. Titus from Final Fantasy. We've had Titus on. Wow, you've had a lot of people on the show already. Yes, I have. 
Hank, is, it, is it Hank the engineer? Well, we have Hank on the show all the time. Uh, let's bring Hank in. Hank! Hey, Hank! I'm coming in. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, Hank. Hello, hello. I'm testing the Aston microphone. Testing the Aston microphone. That's right. The Aston Origin microphone is the microphone of the James Arnold Taylor podcast. Yes, it is. And your testing of the Aston microphone has gotten so much better now that I have the Aston Swift Shield, which is a popper stopper that covers the mic. And so you can't pop your peas the way you used to. No, I try, I try to pop the peas. Uh, hello, hello, hello. I got to go around the backside. Pop, pop, pop. Okay, don't do, don't do that. All right. Anyways, we thank the folks at Aston for the Aston Swift Shield that they sent us. And the Aston Origin microphone is the official microphone of the James Arnold Taylor podcast. I use it for all my interviews. I use it for all this. Everything you're hearing here is the Aston microphone. Sounds beautiful, doesn't it? I think so too. Anyways, Hank, Billy was trying to guess who we're bringing in on the show. Okay, yeah, let me guess. Uh, no, no, I'm not asking you to guess. Well, let me let me see. You're going to bring in uh, Darth Vader's... Darth, Darth Vader? Yeah, the guy, the duck's a guy. I'm your father. Right, give, me, give me a little... Uh, what, 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 you want reverb? Okay, here, here, go. Luke, I am your father. Luke? Yeah, Luke Skywalker. Okay. No, uh, first off, I'm not the voice of Darth Vader, so I wouldn't bring him in. See, I only... The show is called Talking to Myself. Yeah. And so all the characters are me talking to me. Yeah. Like you and Billy. Yeah, what do you mean? Nothing. Never mind. But so I only bring in characters that are my own char- characters that I've done. Or if I do, if celebrities come on the show, they're celebrities that I've been the voice double of. So if we were going to have, great Scott, if we were going to have Christopher Lloyd, Dr. Emmett Brown, come in and do an interview on the show. Okay, is it that guy? No, it's not him, but I'm saying if he was here, I'd say, hey, Doc Brown, how are you? Oh, well, I'm doing very well, uh, Mr. Uh, Taylor, sir. Well, that's that's great, Doc. Great, Scott, you sound an awful lot like Marty McFly. That's because I actually have voiced uh, Michael J. Fox uh, for many things in the past as well. Great, Scott James, you sound just like Marty James. Marty James? I, I don't know. Okay, Doc. So if I wanted to have them on the show, see, I could have them on because I've, I've been their voice doubles before, meaning I have replaced them in things when they're not available. I come in and fill in for them. That's what a voice double does, Hank. Yeah, you, you, could, you could double for Billy because your, your voice is a little higher than his. No, okay. My voice is not higher than Billy's. No, actually, I, I, don't think, I don't think his voice is higher than mine, Mr. Hank, sir. Just Hank. Hank, sir. It's Sir, sir Hank a lot. Whatever, Billy. All right. So, guys, we're like, you know, eight minutes in and you still haven't even just guessed who I'm going to bring in to talk to on this episode. Oh, is it um, uh, Mr. Announcer Guy? No, although we maybe we should have Mr. Announcer Guy. You know what? Let's bring Mr. Announcer Guy in. He'll do the intro for the show and then he'll tell you who's going to be on because he usually does a little like pre-sell of what the show is about. Pre-sell? What's that? It's a, that's an expression. He's pre-selling the show. He's giving you a little, like, what's coming up on the show today kind of thing. Yeah, whatever. All right, Mr. Announcer Guy. Oh, Mr. Announcer Guy. Hey, wait, you guys are doing my job now. Yes, Hank. Yes, Billy. Yes, James. Hi, Mr. Announcer Guy. How are you? I'm doing well as usual. So, Mr. Announcer Guy, you know who's going to be on the show. Yes, I do. It's very exciting. So, you want to just do the intro, and then Hank and Billy can find out who's going to be on the show with us today? Sure, why not? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the James Arnold Taylor Podcast. 
Talking to Myself, starring James Arnold Taylor. On today's show, James will interview none other than his alter ego, 11-year-old flame-headed kid, Johnny Test. Oh, I like Johnny Test. Johnny Test is good, sir. Yeah, I like that Johnny Test. Johnny Test, Hank. What did I say? You said Johnny Test. Yeah, that guy. Let me finish. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Plus, take your viewer emails and talk about stuff that you want to hear about because you listen to the podcast. What does that mean? I have no idea. Okay. Now, here he is, the same guy that voiced Johnny Testum, Hank Anchorman, Mr. Mittens, Dark Vegan, and so much more on Johnny Test, James Arnold Taylor! Thank you, Mr. Announcer Guy. I can always count on you. You got it, man. I'm going to exit now. Oh, he changed it up. All right, Billy. You're excited about Johnny Test being on the show? Yeah, so when I was a little kid, I used to watch Johnny Test all the time, and, and now it's still it's, it's on Netflix and stuff, too. Yeah, it is. You can watch Johnny Test on Netflix. We did six seasons of that show, and nobody thought it would go past one season. That's exciting. So Johnny Test will be in here. Maybe I can talk to him. Yeah, maybe you can. But, okay, why don't you go out and check and see if he's in the green room and ready to come in and you get him a beverage or something. I mean, uh, he's not going to have coffee or any of these little kids. So, um, I don't know, get him a soda pop or something. And Hank? Yeah, what do you want me to do? You, I, you make sure that the stool goes up high enough because he's a little kid. You know, he's got to sit up on the stool and get on the microphone and make sure that that's all adjusted for him, okay? Yeah, okay, let me, let me, let me. Let me okay, let me, let me, dive. Oh, oh. Hank. It's a really unattractive view of you. Right, bend over, get that. All right, let me. Oh, Hank, come on. What are you? Okay, that's enough. Okay, it shouldn't. It shouldn't take this much. Come on, just. It's just a, just a stool and a microphone. Wait. All right, there you go. Hello, hello, hello. Testing, testing, Johnny Test microphone. Okay, thank you, Hank. Why don't you check on Billy and Johnny Test and see if they're here? Yeah, yeah, go check it in. All right, all right, go, go. All right, bye, bye, bye. Okay, everybody. Yeah, so uh, Johnny Test. We're gonna bring Johnny Test in now. I was the voice of Johnny Test for many years. We, as I mentioned, we did six seasons of Johnny Test, and the first couple of seasons were done in traditional animation. And then it got picked up for more seasons, and it was done in Flash. The animation then changed a little, and you know, it wasn't as... I liked the traditional animation, but still, a fun, goofy show. People, I find with Johnny Test, people either love the show or hate the show. So if you're one of the people that hates the show, please bear with us today. <laughs> Don't tune out. Uh, it'll be a fun time anyways, talking to Johnny Test and the various characters on the show. There, I, I was... So the way it worked is I was the only... American actor on the show. The rest of the cast was in Canada. And so I would patch in in my home studio uh, many times. When we first started doing it, I would go to the studios out in LA. But then by the last few seasons, we did them where I did it in my home studio and we patched in using a thing called Source Connect. So I would be patched in with the rest of the cast while we were recording. And it was a lot of fun because then we could actually interact. But all the previous seasons, I had done it all just myself alone with just the director and uh, Scott Fellows who created the show and, and wrote many of the episodes and directed the show and Loris Lunsford who was uh, one of the producers of the show she would direct sometimes as well Loris was great and we had a good time doing Johnny Test uh, for all those years Trevor Duvall you all may know Trevor Duvall as 
Rocket Raccoon on Guardians of the Galaxy and such as many other things. But uh, Trevor uh, replaced my good buddy Louis Chirillo as the voice of Dookie after the last couple of seasons. Uh, so there's been two different voices of Dookie, so those of you that know that. Both of them are great people, wonderful people. So, you know, I hope everybody is kind. be kind to both Dookies. And so for the show, I would be several other voices on the show as well. So I was... Dark Vegan, I will get you Johnny Test. And then his helmet would come up and pop up and he'd had this little tiny voice. Ooh, toast. Um, I was uh, Hank Anchorman. Hank Anchorman, this just in, the city of Porkbelly is under attack. And then uh, Mr. Mittens. Mr. Mittens. <laughs> Hairball. Hmm. Uh, so those were uh, some of the main characters I did on the show on a regular basis. Uh, I was Doc Beeble. I'm Doc Beeble. Try my piles of honey bar. Uh, a little like Charlton, uh, Mr. Announcer Guy's brother. And the beekeeper. The beekeeper. You better beware. <laughs> I said bee. But Johnny is an 11-year-old kid whose twin sisters, Susan and Mary Test, use as their science experiments. They use him as their test subject. And then he has a talking dog named Dookie. It's a goofy little show. People, again, either love it or hate it. But it is on Netflix. You can check it out. And uh, it's, I don't know, it was a fun time. What I liked about the show Johnny Test was that it was just goofy, over-the-top cartoon fun. And so we recorded well over 100 episodes. And we did six seasons. And I think we were all hoping for a seventh season, but it never happened. But, you know, that's the way it is. Again, we were uh, thrilled to get that many seasons out of it. And so I played Johnny, and Johnny did kind of look like how I looked as a little kid, which is kind of funny. Johnny is, um, I guess you could say it's kind of like Seinfeld, where they never they never wanted to do anything that was like a very special episode or anything with any moral lesson or anything. It was just goofy, over-the-top uh, fun and silliness. And that, I think, is what you know many people, many of you that listen to the show probably grew up watching Johnny Test. And so there you go. So it's exciting to get Johnny in. In fact, let's see if he's... Uh, how we, uh, guys, where's Johnny Test? Let's bring him in. Hey, totally awesome. Oh, so this is studio. Studio so cool. Look at it. Look at it. Look at that. Look at that. It's awesome. Oh, look at that over there. Oh, look at that. Okay, hey, Johnny. Just come up. Grab grab a seat up there. Hank, set up the stool for you. Yeah, this is totally awesome. Oh, he- hello, 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 hello. All right. Okay. All right. Cut it out. So uh, Johnny Test, great to have you here on the James Arnold Taylor podcast. How are you doing? Pretty good, Jat dude. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, uh, you know, you're 11 years old. Uh, how did you get here today? Did your your dad drive you, or your or well, your mom's probably busy at work. Yeah, my mom's totally busy at work, but you know, my dad, he stays at home and does all that. No, he was making meatloaf. He's totally oblivious to the whole podcast thing. He thinks it means there's pods growing and starts freaking out and spraying the yard with bug spray. <laughs> he has no idea. Yeah, okay. Well, then, so how did you get here? My sister, Susan and Mary, have this totally cool super speed sportster, and Dookie and I kind of borrowed it to come over to the show today. Oh, so uh, Dookie is here with you? But of course. He's in the kitchen having some coffee with the Hank dude. Oh, really? I don't know. He was showing Hank how to use the coffee maker. Yeah, that sounds about right. Hank is not the most uh, mechanically inclined engineer. Tell me about it. He was trying to make coffee in a blender when we got here. Oh, boy. All right. So, um, anyways, now, do you you listen to the podcast? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm a huge Star Wars fan, so I like it when you have Obi-Wan Kenobi on. Oh, well, I, I mean, that's neat. Yeah, well, would you like to have Obi-Wan come in and be a part of the interview with you? That would be totally awesome! Okay. Totally. Bring in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Bring in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Bring in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, all right, all right, all right. 
Um, all right. Well, uh, here we just. This is how we do. It. We say, "Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope." Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Yes, James. Uh, Obi Wan. Hey, step up to the mic. Oh yes. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. Testing. Testing. All right. All right. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. <laughs> That's totally awesome. Do it again, Obi Wan. Do it again. <clears throat> yes. Hello there. Awesome. Hey, can I see your lightsaber? No, no, Johnny, I'm afraid it's not a toy. Oh, come on, please, 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 please. You do not need to see my lightsaber. Mm, I do not need to see your lightsaber. This is not the saber you're looking for. This is not the saber I'm looking for. I can go about my business. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along. Move along. Okay, well, uh, okay, great, uh, good. Say what? What just happened? Nothing. Okay, well, so, uh, anyways, Johnny, what have you been doing since the show got canceled? Yeah, it's a total bummer. Six seasons I had. I was a total superstar. And then I was gone. Yeah, so what are you, what have you been doing then? Oh, you know, same old, same old. Playing video games, eating cheesy poofs with Dookie, and testing my sister's latest experiments. So, okay, is there anything new that we'd be interested in here on the show? Ah, uh, they got this new thing called Gill Vision that basically makes everyone look and sound like our neighbor Gill, who they both have a big crush on, but... You know, Bling Bling Boy got a hold of it and changed it into making everyone look and sound just like him, which was gross. So they tossed it out and Dookie and I modified it and snuck it into Mr. Teacher Man's glasses. And so now, anytime he looks at me in the classroom, at my desk, it looks like I'm studying hard. <laughs> it's totally awesome. Oh, dear. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey, don't worry about it, Obi-Wan. Besides, even if it did get me into trouble, Dookie and I would come up with some wacky scheme to fix it and then get Susan and Mary to totally help us, which would at first seem to work, but then halfway through, we'd have something go wrong and then Mr. Black and Mr. White would come in and make us use it for some top-secret government thing, which we'd help with, and then by the end, turn it all around and make it better so Mr. Teacher Man and my parents would be none the wiser. All of which would take place in no less than 11 minutes' time. So, you know, it's cool, Obi-Dude. Now, come on, let me see the lightsaber. Please, 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 please. No, Johnny. Eh. Can't blame a guy for trying. All right. Well, anyways, Johnny. So tell me, what's been the best experience, you know, for you uh, with making a cartoon about your life? And, you know, I mean, it's huge. It's all over the world. People know Johnny Test. Yeah, I'm still kind of a superstar. You know, probably the coolest thing is all the letters and stuff from all the kids all over the world. That's totally awesome. You know, I give them advice and stuff. You give other kids advice? Yeah, you know, on ways to improve themselves. (laughs) Really? Yeah. You know, like how to spike your hair real cool and dress like me. Yeah, that's the advice you give people? Why not? Okay, well, anyways. And what's been some of the toughest parts of fame? Well, even though I'm a total superstar, I still have to go to bed by 8.30. Well, you know, I mean, you're 11 years old. It's totally not late enough. Bling Bling Boy gets to stay up till almost 10. And Susan and Mary, they've got my parents totally fooled. Yeah, and your dad, boy, he likes he likes making that meatloaf, huh? Blech. Maybe we should alter Gill Vision so it makes it Pizza Vision. So anytime my dad thinks he's making meatloaf, it's actually pizza. That would be totally awesome. Yeah, okay. I think you're probably onto something there. So his meatloaf really is as bad as it as it seems on the show? Worse. Come on, Obi-Wan. Let me see the lightsaber. Let me see the lightsaber. No, Johnny. Uh, How about that dark vegan? Does he really love toast? The guy's totally crazy for it. Any kind. Sourdough, wheat, rye, pumpernickel. Pumpernickel. Hmm. He comes in all the time and raids our cupboards of toast. He's pretty annoying. Dark Vegan? Hmm. Yeah, Obi-Wan. So Dark Vegan is, um, well, he's this guy on uh, Johnny's show and kind of similar to another dark Darth type. Well, you know what I'm getting at. Yes, sounds dreadful. Eh, It's not so bad. You just have to know how to deal with him. 
Kind of like Bugs Bunny with Elmer Fudd. Bugs Bunny, Elmer Fudd. Yeah, that's what you should do with Darth Vader. Treat him like Bugs did with Elmer. Hmm. I'll have to look into that, Johnny. Thank you for the advice. Yeah, absolutely. Whoa, Obi-Wan, what's that over there? What? I've got the lightsaber! Ooh, <laughs> so cool! <laughs> I'm a Jedi Knight! I am the high ground! I'm totally awesome! <laughs> your studio equipment. Sorry, Jat dude. Didn't see that coming. All right, enough. Give me that back. Whoa! He totally force-pulled that out of my hand. Yes. <sighs> All right, guys. Well, thanks for wrecking that equipment there, Johnny. It's all right. It wasn't really expensive equipment. Oh, that's good. I was joking. Oh, that's bad. Yes. Anyways, uh, Obi-Wan, would you mind taking Johnny back to the green room? I think that's going to conclude our interview time here with Johnny Test. Yeah, okay. Right. Right this way, Johnny. You will follow me. I will follow you. You're not the guest James was looking for. I'm not the guest James is looking for. Yes, move along. Moving along. All right. Well, there you go. My time with Johnny Test and a little cameo from Obi-Wan Kenobi. That was very nice. Boy, he uh, really trashed the studio with that lightsaber. Although, I will say, he got the lightsaber from Obi-Wan, which is more than I ever got. Good for him. All right, well... For those of you that want to know more about Johnny Test, you can check it out on Netflix. I think all of the episodes are streaming on Netflix. Check out Johnny Test. It's kind of a fun, goofy show, but uh, and, and fun to have him here on the podcast. And speaking of fun, that music says... Actually, I don't know what that says. It just felt right to play a little music. Thanks, Jerry the Music Man. You got it, James. That's Jerry the Music Man. He's kind of like a 40s hipster music guy. He picks and plays all the music here at the James Arnold Taylor podcast. But, you know, speaking of all this technology and, and, you know, Johnny Test and experiments his sisters would put him through and all this neat kind of, and then Obi-Wan, all this kind of sci-fi kind of stuff. My world has entered into sci-fi recently here because actually this week I am going to be in Seattle for the Emerald City Comic Con, but I am also, also going to be attending a different con of a different sort, Multicon, also in Seattle. But the thing is, is you don't have to be in Seattle to see and experience and be a part of Multicon. Multicon is something from High Fidelity. Now, uh, High Fidelity is a virtual reality company, and I've been doing some work with them, and they are wonderful people. They've got a lot of really fun technology, this virtual reality stuff. I don't know how many of you have this. I know that, like my buddy Joe Hogan, uh, who does all the art for my shows and stuff, he says he's got a, a VR system for, a VR, that's what we call it, very hip, VR, uh, for his, I believe, his PlayStation. So many of you may already be experiencing virtual reality on a regular basis with the headset and, and all that and the, the Oculus uh, controllers. That's what, so they sent me, so high fidelity, few weeks back sent me this system a laptop and a headset and the things and all that so i could then get used to virtual reality because what i am going to be doing here this week this weekend going to be happening on the 16th this saturday i will be performing my show live my stage show a version of my stage show talking to myself live in virtual reality. So if you are somebody that has a VR system, you can sign in to High Fidelity, sign up for their whole thing, 
And I, I'm, I'm sure there's probably some fees and stuff involved, of course. But if you wanted to experience James Arnold Taylor up close and personal, there is actually going to be a virtual reality version of me on a virtual reality stage doing a virtual reality version of my stage show for Multicon through High Fidelity. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. So I don't know if you saw Ready Player One. I talked about it a, a few weeks back on the show. I really liked that movie. I thought it was a lot of fun. This is basically Ready Player One. This is VR. This is a real life VR experience. And here's the coolest thing. People get from all over the world, whoever is, is signed up to High Fidelity's system and has their VR headset on and everything will be able to watch my show on a stage and then, here's the cool part. Here's the really cool part. This is what makes it so interactive, so different than any other place that I do my stage show. After I do my show, we are going to then spend, uh, I believe, 15, 20, 30 minutes doing Q&A. People can just ask me. Anybody, anybody that is on High Fidelity system and logged in and watching the show can then ask me questions and you will be talking to me. So I will be in my virtual headset. You will be in yours. I will be looking at your avatar. You'll be looking at my avatar. We will be having a, a real virtual conversation right there live. This is exciting stuff. It is happening March 16th. If you have a VR system or access to one, I encourage you to check this out. Go to highfidelity.com and check it out or just Follow some of the links. Go to my Twitter. There's all sorts of links I've been putting up on my Twitter um, many times throughout, you know, the week. So I'm sure if you check James Arnold Taylor's Twitter feed, you can find this and you can see the links to Eventbrite, which then is uh, the way you then log in and sign up and register to do this. It's going to be Saturday, March 16th. It's going to start at 10 a.m. It's going to go to 2 p.m. I will be there doing my show probably around 10, 1030. I'll kick things off. I am kicking off the whole event, and this is a, like a first. This is a Comic-Con in VR. Really a neat experience. So if you're an animation fan, an anime fan, you definitely want to check out Multicon, Anime Animated Universes, happening this Saturday. That's what I'll be doing. Really a trip to go in. To, I went into this place called Doob, D-O-O-B, and they scanned or shot, so they have like 60, 50-some-odd cameras. Uh, really high-def, beautiful cameras in this booth that are set up for all angles of your body. You stand very still and make a, you know, a, a pose, and then they turn that into your avatar. So, like I say, so my body will be a working avatar on a stage in virtual reality. It's, it's very strange. Uh, it's it's really cool, and I encourage you all to do it. But, uh, it, and that's that's the weird thing is, is so now I will live on in virtual reality, and I'll be I'll be timeless in that too. So I hope you check it out. If you do check it out, let me know. You know, ask me a question at the con and say, "Hey, I listened to your podcast, James, and I'm I'm here now because you had talked about it." So that way they know too. But it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you don't get a chance to do this one, there's probably going to be other opportunities for us to do this. But it is a virtual reality con. This could be the wave of the future, everybody. Having, you know, in fact, I was even thinking with them, I could do my podcasts in VR. And then if you're in the, in VR as well, I could do an episode like once a month or something in VR. And so you could watch me podcast in virtual reality. And then you could just walk up and say, Hey James, how's it going? And ask me questions. It would really be a cool way of doing that. So I'm going to talk with this uh, wonderful company, High Fidelity, about 
what we can do in the future with this, because I think there's a lot of possibilities for the future with virtual reality and voice actors creating new types of things, either, you know, like radio plays and stuff, but in the VR world and make it more interactive for fans and those that have this, this system. If you don't have a system, uh, I'm sure there's ways of still, you know, tapping in and figuring it all out. You might even be, I, I'm not certain, but you might be able to, to monitor it through their system just on your computer without the system uh, in place, but still watch and be a part of it. So, you know, check it all out. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, as a matter of fact, today, even though, because, you know, I, rec- I record these things um, in advance. So I am actually on an airplane today, flying to Seattle, getting ready for both cons. So Emerald City Comic Con, if you are in the Seattle area, please come out and see me this weekend at Emerald City Comic Con. This is so so you can see me virtually if you're not there uh, at Multicon. But if you are in the Seattle area this weekend, you can have a actual reality encounter with me, James Arnold Taylor at Emerald City Comic Con. We're going to be having a great time. I'm going to be doing uh, the Twisted Tunes with Jeff Zanini and all the other folks there. It's going to be uh, a lot of fun. In fact, yeah, who is I, th- I believe it's like Maurice LaMarche and Rob Paulson and Tress McNeil and so many wonderful people. Let's take a look. It is happening starting tomorrow. Emerald City Comic Con starts tomorrow and it goes through the 17th. That's Sunday, St. Patrick's Day. Hoy, we're all going to be celebrating at Emerald City Comic Con. The Emerald City. Check it out. We're going to have a great time. There's going to be um, on Saturday, I believe, we are doing our Twisted Tunes panel. And we're reading, I believe, the script Vacation. So if you don't know about Twisted Tunes. So Jeff Zanini is uh, a manager of different voice actors and talent and and on-camera actors and such for Comic-Cons. And Jeff is the one that does all my booking for my cons. He and my wife work together to figure all that out to get me to all these various cons. So if you want me to show up at a con near you, let Celebrity Talent Booking know. So go to your Twitter or your Instagram to either of those. They are on there. Let's see. Let me look them up. It is CTB social the letter c the letter t the letter b social celebrity talent booking subscribe follow them follow celebrity talent booking and you can figure out and find out where all of your favorite voice actors and celebrities are going to different cons because they're the ones that book us so let them know hey i want james arnold taylor to come to my con if you let celebrity talent booking know then they might reach out to the con as well but let the cons know too that's the other thing many of you say to me oh will you come to this con or that con it's like I have to be, I always say I'm like a vampire. I need to be invited. I need to actually be invited to the con in order to go. I can't just call them up and go, hey man, have me come over to your con. It just doesn't work that way. The way it works is that they seek out different talent and they don't always seek out voice acting talent first because, you know, they want to bring in the big celebrities. However, I will contend, are you drinking water by the way? I just took a sip of water. I will contend that voice actors are probably the coolest, the easiest, the most accessible folks at a con to interact with celebrities, you still have to kind of deal with the whole air of celebrity in that way. Uh, you know, the um, on camera, the famous celebrities. Again, we're celebrities. We're just not famous. We're actors that just use our voices. But uh, so if you have a con in your area, you can let celebrity talent booking know that you want me or you can uh, and you should also let the con itself know, hey, we want the voice actor James Arnold Taylor, the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi and Ratchet and Tidus and all these other characters to come to your con. Please, please put a request in to have James come. He's a great guy. And then we will. And if you want me to do my stage show there, you got to let them know that as well. 
because usually they just bring me in to sign. They might give me a panel or two to speak on, but I have to do a lot of jumping through hoops to get my stage show there. And most of them don't understand it. They don't get, well, what? He's bringing this whole thing. And so those are the ins and outs of the cons. And that's what I am doing this week. Then next month is Star Wars Celebration. So many of you I know are already going to be heading out there and going to Star Wars Celebration, please come by and say hello to me if you are at Star Wars Celebration. Please uh, make sure you stop by my little booth. There's going to be myself and many other Clone Wars actors there, and that should be a lot of fun. I know Catherine Tabor's going to be there. going to be a great time. So next month, when Star Wars Celebration happens, the podcast that comes out that week is going to be on Wednesday, as it always is. It will be the day before the whole thing kicks off. So I'm going to do a special look back at my time hosting the various celebrations that I hosted as well as Star Wars weekends. So for many of you that may may or may not know, I was uh, I hosted many Star Wars events for many many years. Um throughout the course of a good 7 years I hosted um I hosted Star Wars weekends every year for 5 years. I hosted two of the various celebrations, uh one in Orlando and one in Anaheim. And I had a great time and I interviewed so many wonderful people and I met so many wonderful people. So that week's episode of the JATCast is going to feature stories and interviews and clips and segments of my time hosting various celebrations. And I think it should be a good time. It'll be a look back to get you pumped up for the weekend that is to come for all of you. So now what do I need to do to prepare for going to a con? Well, you know, this is so this is more of a kind of a voice actor question, but I think that some of you may are uh, may be curious about this for me to go to a Comic-Con because of the work I do as a voice actor in Hollywood and being the voice of the promo voice for Fox. So most of you already know, but every once in a while, there's still somebody that once I do this, they hear it and then they go, my gosh, I never knew that. So if you watch Fox Sundays and you watch The Simpsons and Family Guy and Bob's Burgers and all that. There's that promo voice that tells you what's coming up and everything. It says, Tonight, it's an all-new episode of The Simpsons, Bob's Burgers, and Family Guy, all coming up next on Fox. That voice is me. I know many of you thought it was Mr. Announcer Guy. No, no, it's me, James Arnold Taylor. (laughs) So when I do that work, I do it from my home studio all the time, and I patch in using what we call an ISDN line, which is a phone patch line that patches me into their studio. So when I'm on the road, I, I don't bring the ISDN with me, although I used to bring it with me to Disney Star Wars weekends because we were there for over a month and it was, you know, big, big deal. So now I use a system called IPDTL and IPDTL is something that anybody can get. It's a program and it's a software, uh, it's, a, it's a subscription thing. It's actually not software, really. It's, it's just all you need is Chrome browser and you plug in and you patch in and you can patch into any studio anywhere in the world as long as they have it as well or they're using Chrome browser and you send them the link. So that is how I will do my Fox work while I'm gone this week and then all the subsequent weeks where I'm at all the other cons. There's this technology. So what I will do is I'll bring my laptop. I'll bring a microphone. I bring this other. So, okay, let me give you all the gear because some of you are interested in this stuff, I think. So I bring my laptop and I have a uh, Apple Mac Air. I'm all Apple here uh, in my studio, in my house. I've always been an Apple user. And I have a love-hate relationship with Apple because they make great stuff. They really do. But at the same time, I just wish they'd stop updating everything so much so quickly all the time and, and changing stuff. It's When you have software that runs and you want it to just run very specifically for needs like Pro Tools and Premiere uh, for editing audio and video stuff... You don't want to have to keep updating because when you update, there's little glitches, there's new things. And so when they do this all the time, it makes it difficult. Anyways, that's my one big beef with uh, Apple. 
they just need to calm down with all the updates and all the new stuff and just let us all, you know, cause like you buy a computer and then within a week it's outdated. That's the thing that bugs me. So anyways, uh, and that's why many people like PCs because then you can just update the things on your own, but you can't do that with Macs. Okay. So pieces of equipment that I take with me, I bring my Mac air. I've got a little 11 inch Mac air, which uh, they don't make anymore, which I'm bummed because I've got to update it soon because of what I was talking about. And I love this one because it's so small, but the newer ones are bigger. Anyways, I use what they call a Sure. The the brand is Sure, and it's not spelled like Sure. It's spelled like Sure. <laughs> S-H-U-R-E. That is the brand name, Sure. You can look them up online. And it is an X2U, the Sure X2U. What this is, is this tiny little thing. I've got it in my hand right now. And it's it's like a little microphone almost, and it's got two ports on it. One side has got a USB plug. The other side has got an XLR plug and you can, so the, the USB plug is your digital, your, you know, your computer part. And the, the XLR is the microphone jack and that is your analog. So this little device is a analog to digital converter, you see, and it's got, it's really cool. It's got little knobs on it uh, or little spin wheels there for, uh, adjusting your mic gain. It's got a headphone monitor in it so you can hear yourself and you've got volume and you've got this and you can, and it's got phantom power. So that, what is phantom power? Phantom power is uh, what powers up some microphones. So this thing has everything you need and it's tiny. It fits in the palm of your hand. It weighs no more than a pound. And I plug that in a USB into my uh, laptop and then I plug a microphone into that. And usually when I'm on the road, I bring um, my least favorite microphone, the Sennheiser 416. Talked about this before. Many of you uh, like that microphone. I I would just assume bring the Aston Origin that I have with me right here. And maybe I will this time. I don't know. Uh, I usually bring the Sennheiser though for road trips because it's so directional and it it's it's used a lot in promo work anyways it's very small it just looks it's a shotgun mic so it's it's just looks like a stick you know just like a like a like a 12 it's like a 10 or 12 inches long maybe not even that long i don't know let me let me see yeah it's yeah it's probably about 9 inches long and it's just a straight up stick. It looks like a boom mic. In fact, that's what it is. It's a boom mic, which they use in the business for recording sound for movies and such. So I'll bring that microphone. I'll bring a mic cable. I'll bring some headphones and my laptop. And that way I will be able to patch in. And then using the program IPDTL, I will patch into Fox. They will dial me up because I have my own ISDN numbers on that. They make a bridge. It patches in. There's all this technical stuff that goes on. And then from my hotel room using my Wi-Fi, I will then be talking to them and do the promos live. Just like if you ever watch me do any of those, I put them on Instagram a lot. You can see me doing the promos live. Where I, So what it is, is when I do a promo for Fox, and you can see some of my videos actually online, go to my YouTube channel, check out the uh, voicing promo ones. There's different ones that way in the, uh, in the VO. Here, let me look. I'll just look. Let me just check it out. Come on. Drinking some water. Everybody drink some water. Come on. That's good water. Okay. Go to playlist. You go to James Arnold Taylor's YouTube channel. Go to playlist. Click in the booth with chat. And there's lots of different. Oh, look at that. There's uh, one of the first ones is Day in the Life of Voice Actor Fox Sunday Season Finales. You can see how I do the promos for Fox. There's several in here about voicing promos. And it's really interesting stuff because it does show you behind the scenes as, as to how I voice these things. But that's what it will be like in my hotel room. And what I will do is what I'll have to do is I'll have to take blankets and cushions uh, from the couch and the bed and the pillows and all these things. And I'll cram them in a little corner, usually a closet from uh, my hotel room. 
and I'll make a little booth. Now, hopefully, this is because a lot of times this will happen in closets, the um, air conditioning units or the wiring and other stuff, the plumbing for the hotel is there. And so you might hear or, or, you know, different noises. So hopefully that's not the case. And then, cause then I put a bunch of pillows in there and I create a little booth for myself to do the stuff because what do I want to do? I want to make it so the room is not live. Like in this room here, I'm in my recording studio. So see if I back off the microphone and I talk, there's still not really any echo in here because I have sound panels up all over the place. But if I were to go out into my house and talk, you'd hear all this echo. It'd sound like this. Here in the studio, it's nice and clean. So I don't want that in a, in a hotel room. You get that echo too. So I want to dampen that. So I will take pillows and I will surround the microphone and I'll put them over my head and everything. And then usually what I do in a hotel is I throw a blanket over my head as well. My buddy, Joe Cipriano, who's a wonderful uh, voice talent. Look him up, Joe Cipriano. Uh, he uh, invented uh, taking the ironing board out of, because every hotel room always has an ironing board, right? And you set that up and you can hang blankets and things over that and put pillows underneath it. And you make like a little makeshift booth with that. <laughs> it's pretty cool. But uh, so all of us have our own little ways of doing it to dampen the sound in the room, to be able to do our voiceover. So the tricky part is, is usually Fox will have me do work in the evenings on like Thursdays and Friday nights. That's when I'll voice the promos. And at cons, I'm usually there at the cons at that time of night. And then if there's a time difference, for example, if I'm, you know, a couple hours ahead, wherever I'm at, then I've got to deal with that. So if I go out of the country, like last year when I was in London, you know, and I'm way ahead, then it's really tricky to know when and how to do all this stuff. But so it's one of the um, pitfalls of having a regular promo voiceover gig and traveling. But it's also something that I'm very blessed to still be able to do, thankfully, to all this technology. And I know many of you, again, are interested in the technology. So we're going to make this episode kind of talking more about that stuff. And especially since Johnny Test came in and cut my uh, desk in half and wrecked everything here with the lightsaber, I'm going to be getting, needing to get new technology. <laughs> but uh, so it's interesting. And as a matter of fact, I got a while back... A, uh, now, this is something that some of you can do. And I, I think I've mentioned this. I don't know if I've mentioned it or not. But if you were interested in asking me a question, you could also record it, uh, you know, an audio file and, and send it to me. I don't know if you can attach an audio file to the emails at my website. I don't, I don't think you can. I'm going to have to look into that. I want to, what I want to try to do is set up a time or a way to where you all can have like basically an answering, a chat answering machine. So you can ask me questions and then just play them. And then I can play your question on the air. You see how that is? Another way you could do it. If you have a YouTube account or something, you could always make a video asking me a question and make it a private or an unlisted video and just send me the link to it at jamesarnoldtaylor.com. Go there and click on the thing in the drop down in the JackCast podcast, choose the topic and all that. And in there, you could paste the link to it or you could paste the link to a, you know, a, a file if you have a sound file for me. That's what my friend Jonathan Mertz did. Now, Jonathan is a voice actor and he has a podcast as well. It's Your Break is his podcast. And Jonathan sent me a sound file. Let's take a listen to Jonathan's question because it relates to all this technology. And so this episode, I'm kind of dedicating to technology. Let's listen to Jonathan's question. Hey, James, do you care if I ask you some questions? No, I don't. Go ahead. What I want to know is how do you set up your sessions when you're actually fully editing a multi-layered piece 
versus just a voiceover track. My second question has to do with compression and dynamics. When I listen to your podcast, as well as some others, I think that are really well produced, I notice they have a lot fuller sound than what I have. I know some of that can be dealt with with using a, a preamp in the beginning. And I'm used to using compression and limiters and gates. But what I don't want to happen is it to sound too overcompressed and lose the dynamics. How do you achieve it? And the reason I asked this question is because I've imported your podcast and I can see there's a lot of dynamics, but you still sound really big and bright. Can you maybe go over your workflow process of how you do your podcast and kind of sweeten it up? James, thank you again so much for taking the time to listen to me. Oh, one more thing. I recorded this on an Aston Origin microphone that I got because of how much you enjoyed yours. I wanted to test it for myself. And it sounds pretty good, even in this room with no acoustic treatments. Obviously, I'm not in my studio. Anyways, thank you again for that recommendation. And thank you again for taking your time. Well, thank you, Jonathan. So that is a way that some of you, uh, if you want, you can send me questions. If you want to ask me a question with your voice, you want me to hear it and you want your voice to be on the podcast. I know we've been talking about doing phone calls. It's just, I just have not gotten around to setting up a time to do it all with all of you. So I figure this way is a way of doing it. You can record a question, send it to me some way here. That's uh, certainly a way of doing it as Jonathan did. So let's get to Jonathan's questions. So his first question is about Pro Tools about, so now everybody that's listening to this may or may not know there's different audio softwares to record and then edit audio in. So I use a program called Pro Tools and that's what Jonathan's using and he's learning uh, to use it more and more now. And many of you may know about Pro Tools, but many of you may not. You may use something like Twisted Wave or Audacity or, you know, all these different logic. There's so many different programs when you talk about recording audio, especially if you're a Mac user compared to a PC user, vice versa. So I'm a Mac user and I use Pro Tools and Pro Tools is the industry standard for all uh, production in Hollywood of movies and music and voice. They use Pro Tools. And so that's what I use. And I've been using it since day one. And so it is an editing software system. And of course, the beautiful thing about this is it's non-destructive, meaning you can always undo, you know, and you don't lose anything. So it records the sound files. So the way I record my podcast here, I, I come in, I have my tracks laid out. Now, I so all my tracks, and I'll, I'll post a picture of it. I think you've seen, if, if any of you have looked, if you, by the way, you know, James Arnold Taylor podcast, the Jatcast has its own Twitter handle now. So you can follow me on Twitter at the Jatcast, J-A-T-C-A-S-T. So the J-A-T-C-A-S-T, so the Jatcast. And on there, a lot of times I post videos of the screen, the Pro Tools screen playing back the audio after it's been edited. And sometimes you can tell, you can see how I do it. But initially what I do is I have a template that I use for the podcast every episode and I pull that up and it's all set up with all my various tracks. And now that I know all my characters and stuff too, I add there. So Jat has his own track and that's got my own sound and compression and things on it. Then each other character like Mr. Announcer Guy has his own track, Charlton, Jake, Jerry, George. Those guys all have their own tracks. Billy and Hank and Obi-Wan or anybody else that I bring in is just lives on my track. So it's a multi-track recording thing. But the way I do it is I record everything on my one track 
first. Some of this may be like way over everybody's heads. There's just some of you, but those of you that are interested, please bear with me. Uh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Wait. I know in the past I said when I'm going to explain something that could be boring, I got to do it in a voice. So whose voice should I do this in? Should I just do it again as Obi-Wan? Because you all love Obi-Wan. Everybody loves Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? What's not to love? I'd say I do it as Tidus, but that's just me. Or I do it as Ratchet, but that's just me. Or I do it as Spider-Man, but that's just me. Or Leonardo, but that's just me. Or The Flash, that's just me. See what I'm doing? I'm plugging all my other characters. So so I will will talk as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And let me explain to you how the multi-tracking works. So I record everything on one track. Then I go back through and I edit. And then I put in, because each track has its own... Uh, EQ and compression and effects on it. So Mr. Announcer Guy's voice is very big and all like this. And so he has his own track that's preset with reverb. So his voice is bigger. And then it's got uh, EQ and it's got its own compression and all of that. As opposed to this track that you're hearing me on now. This is the James Arnold Taylor track. The Jat track. Track one. And then all of the others have their own tracks. So what I do is after I record the entire show, I then take those parts out that are each character that needs their own track, like Mr. Announcer Guy. I just grab that audio and I drop it down into his track. That way, whenever that track plays, it will have all the reverb and everything like this, you see. I hope that makes sense. Okay? (laughs) Thank you, Obi-Wan Kenobi. So that's the way I uh, will do it, Jonathan. And then I have music tracks and all that, but I do all of the production afterwards. What I do is I come in here, I hit record, and I just roll. I roll the microphone for 90 minutes and I talk. And I usually don't have an agenda or anything. It happens as we go. And as I've mentioned many times before, the characters, I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know what I'm going to say. I didn't know at the beginning of the show when I started that I was going to interview Johnny Test. It wasn't until... I said to Billy, you know, hey, you know, can you guess who's going to be on the show? And I start going through the different characters. And then I was like, I'm going to do Johnny Test. I knew at that point I'm going to do Johnny Test. And then when Johnny comes in, I don't know what I'm going to do with him. And I'm kind of what I'm doing is I'm acting. So I put myself in the position of what would I ask this character if I came in contact with them, even though I already am the voices of these guys, I am those characters. I just treat it like as if you were walking in and I go, hey, how's it going? And I interview you. So I never know. So I hope, you know, like these interviews, they have a very kind of raw feel in that. And and they don't necessarily always have like the best, funniest punchline at the end. But that's because I make it up as I go along. And I feel that that's, that's what's the charm of this podcast is you don't really know what to expect. You never know what's going to happen. And nor do I. And if I plan too much of it, then it's just not as cool. I don't know. It just, you know, it, 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 you're going to feel that. You're going to feel the planning. So there you go. Now, Um, so I do all the music, all the sound effects, everything afterwards, after I've recorded the whole thing. And then I move the tracks down into the appropriate places. I put the music in, I put the sound effects in when Hank was adjusting the microphone and everything that was, that was basically, I create the sound effects by layers then. So I, I just roll the mic and I still use the Aston origin right here for all the sound effects and stuff. And I grab a bunch of different things that are in the office and I start banging them and clanging them around. And then I just put them underneath the track of Hank and I talking. So I'm going, hey, 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 wait, let me. no, Hank, <laughs> Hank, would you stop? <laughs> and that's, that's what it originally is. But then I put in the sound effects like this right here. You see it? So those, me just banging stuff around. And then that with, hey, no, let me just, would you just stop it? <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. 
Oh, Hank! That's what you get. So that's how I build a show. Now, going to the question of processing, Jonathan was asking about that. For those of you that don't understand this whole thing, so when you record something, you want to uh, liven it up. So when they record sound for a movie, for example, a lot of times, if you were to hear the original production sound, it's extremely flat. There's no life to it. There's no, you know. So what they do is they put uh, different compression and effects on things. So I put different compression and effects on my stuff here as well. I use plugins from a company called Isotope. And Isotope is a, a really brilliant uh, company of software plugins for Pro Tools and other other uh, digital audio recording systems like Logic and such. Logic is the one that uh, is like Pro Tools, but it's made by Apple. Pro Tools is made by DigiDesign, Avid. So there you go. Again, more uh, tech talk here, everybody. So Isotope makes these wonderful plugins that put compression and reverb and effects, and you can pitch my voice up really high. Or I can pitch my voice down really low, and I can be right in here, and it sounds really like a job of the hut. Oh, job of the Ah, panta pudu. You know? Or if I want to double my voice and give it, I am C-3PO, human-cyborg relations. There's a little doubling effect I would put on my voice for something like that. All these different effects I can do. Like when I did the uh, Bane from the Batman movies a few episodes back. And I was doing the voice and I put on that whole sound there. That is a plugin in Isotope called Baneful ADR. And I just put that on. So these effects are really cool. So I do put some compression, some effects on my voice. I use the Isotope plugin called Nectar. And Nectar is like, you know, like a, like a, like nectar from a, a peach or something, uh, that that word. And I think it's because it sweetens. You see, nectar is sweet and it sweetens things. So this program sweetens your voice. So my voice flat without anything on it. It's kind of hard. I really actually can't play it completely that way here. But um, well, let me see. I'll move it down to another track here and play it as flat as I can. So this is what my voice sounds like when it's before it's got any treatment any of any kind on it for the James Arnold Taylor podcast. So you can see it's not as big. Now, granted, the, the end product of the show does still have some sweetening on it. So you are still getting some sweetening. You're not actually hearing it completely flat, but this is as close to as flat as it sounds, as opposed to when it's in the Jat track and it sounds like this, nice and rich and, and big. And so I use a plugin in there uh, from Nectar that is called Intense Movie Trailer. And it, it adds compression, it adds a de-esser, it adds a limiter, it does all of that. Then I also put some limiting on my voice and the master track of everything. So my master track, let me take a look. I've got a peek because I don't remember everything I have. I've got these wonderful sweetening tools and mastering tools from Isotope as well. Oh yes, I use uh, Isotope RX Final Mix for the final mix of the Jack cast. So that's why I was saying, even when I played you my voice flat, it still had some uh, EQ compression and limiting on it. And so I use that. So everything has a nice, so what does a limiting do? The limiting allows, and the compression both allow it to where, so my voice has a lot of dynamics. Jonathan was talking about dynamics, meaning if I'm talking to you really loud and I come out like this and then I get down really soft and all like that, you know, those things are affected in the, in the audio track. And if you don't, affect those. You don't put limiting and compression and stuff on it. You're going to hear it go really loud and then really soft. But when you put all of these compression and things on it, it 
evens it out pretty well. So my voice, hopefully, when you listen to the show, is pretty clear throughout all the time. And there's always, you know, the highs and lows are there, but you still can understand and hear everything without having to adjust the volume a lot. I hope you don't have to. I try not to. What I do is I do listen in my car. I will record an episode. I will get it down to what I think is the finished master. Then I will put it on a little uh, a disc, a little SD card, because my, my car has an SD reader in it. And I put that in and I drive out to a job or something and I listen to the episode and I listen to all the various places and, oh, let's cut that out or let's add this or let's put some effects there. Or let's put music on there. And I check it all out and I check the levels and stuff too. And if they're not right, then I go back in and I try to correct them. So that is so you end up having a nice, clean listening experience. The biggest thing for all of it is also, again, having a lovely microphone. And as Jonathan said, he he is uh, he had recorded that on an Aston Origin microphone. That is the official microphone of the James Arnold Taylor podcast. That's what I'm talking to you on right now. The Aston Origin microphone, beautiful microphone, under $300, I believe, most places. I go to sweetwater.com. I get paid nothing for saying this from either Sweetwater or Aston. I'm just telling you because it's what I use and you all want to know what types of equipment I use. I'm just giving you the straight up story. Oh, but so a lovely microphone is great. The other thing that is really crucial, I believe, for a good, successful, good sounding podcast is that, you know, we were talking about the echo in the room. You don't want it to sound like an echo chamber. You don't really want to hear a lot of uh, uh, slapback. So again, my studio here is very dead, as we call it. The sound is dead. There's no, there's no delay. If I go, hey, hey, you don't hear it. It doesn't sound like this. Hey, hey, which it would if you were to just take a microphone, set it up in your living room or your bedroom or wherever and start recording. You want to make sure that sound is clean and clear with no reverb. You see, that's what makes, that's those extra little things. When somebody hears it, it just sounds that much more professional, you see. So there you go. That's, um, I hope, uh, Jonathan, I answered all your questions properly. Um, I do. Oh, well, let me just say the other thing I do with every episode, because I record first, just my voice track straight through as I go through and edit the show and move the tracks around, I go through and I adjust the volume on everything. Now there's programs. In fact, I have plugins from Isotope that will limit things on, on its own. And what that does is that brings up everything that I say to the same basic level. So it all sounds the same. I do it manually. I'm old school. I do it by hand. I click on each thing that I see that looks a little low or looks a little hot. And then I adjust the volume uh, within Pro Tools automatically. I, I highlight it and then I, you, I use a trackball and I turn it up or I turn it down. Just those little segments. So if, if I'm talking to you right here in this one sentence and one word goes really loud, I drop that volume down on that. If I end up getting really soft, I bring that volume up. So it sounds, everything still sounds consistent, even though you can tell I'm talking higher and lower, you see, but I do end up going through manually and adjusting everything because that's just the way I am. It's the way I like it. And I think it's ended up giving a really nice, clean product for all of you and made it a good podcast. So there you go. That's uh, some questions from Jonathan Mertz, who sent an audio file and you can do the same like I say, uh, I'm going to try to make it available to where there's maybe an answering machine or something. I know that uh, some of my friends that do podcasts have stuff like that. I'm going to look into that so you all can just leave me a message anytime then and leave a, a question for the show and then I can answer those. So we don't just do Ask Jat via email with Bob, but you know what? It's that time. Let's do it. Hey, Bob. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me. Uh, yeah. Hello, James. 
Hey, Bob, how are you, man? I'm doing very well. I'm looking forward to your uh, time at uh, Emerald City Comic Con and the Multicon. Yeah, that should be fun. Will you will you do the VR? Will you do the virtual reality thing? Oh, indubitably, indubitably do, yes. Well, that's great, Bob. And you can ask me a question, and then I'll know you're asking me a question. That'll be fun. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but okay. okay. <laughs> you, you wouldn't ask me a question? No, no. I, I, I would leave that to all the fans. That's my job. It is your job. Well, that's true. And so that's what you're doing right now. So what do we got? See my little segue? Oh, you did a good job with the with uh, yeah with um, the uh, the the the, 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 yeah, the little moving forward. You really are like Porky Pig now. Oh, indubitably do. Okay, so who's our first uh, question from? Our first our first email is from Austin in Lexington, Kentucky. Austin from Lexington. It'd be funny if Austin was from Austin, Texas, but no, Austin's from Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah, oh yes, indubitably. Says, hey James, I thought of a few questions that would hopefully spark some good conversation. My favorite part of your podcast is you simply talking about life in general, as well as your life personally. So, here we go. All right. How did you meet your wife, and what made you fall for each other? Is there a story behind it? I'm a 25-year-old fella and would like to start a family myself within the next 10 years, but find it difficult to meet someone who is faithful, with good values and things in common. Okay, well, uh, that's a good question, Austin. How did I meet my lovely wife, Allison? Well, we met in high school. And, uh, and, you know, this is good, Bob, because this whole episode has really just been about technology and Johnny Tess and all that. So we've, we have not gotten to any heart issues. So it's nice that we're, we're talking about the heart, the personal stuff here. That's fun. Oh, yeah. Indubitably, indubitably do. So I met my wife, Allison, in high school. We were, uh, she was two grades behind me and we were both in marching band together. And when you're in band, you go to uh, band rehearsals and practice and such before school starts for the year, like two weeks beforehand, we would all go to the the band room and start learning and getting uh, ahead with marching and teaching all of the newbies, all the new kids, all the freshmen and stuff, how to march. So for two weeks before school starts, school started for all of us with band stuff. So, But we loved it because we were band geeks and all of that. So I played the saxophone in band. My wife played the flute and the piccolo. And so when she was a freshman, I was her squad leader. So there was, you know, we would break up into squads for marching. And so I was the squad leader. And I, I got to tell you, I think I've mentioned it before on the podcast. I was quite the good marching band geek. I, I was, yeah, I almost became the drum major. Instead, I became the drum, uh, the uh, band manager. And I managed the band because uh, Ike, my uh, wonderful band director, who again, I've said is, was uh, really kind of the closest thing to a father I ever had in high school and the closest thing I've ever had to a mentor in my life. He was a wonderful man and he taught all of us so much. And he said, you'd make a great band manager. But I was, so I was, uh, I, I managed our, our high school marching band and the uh, jazz band as well. Because I was in both. I was in jazz band and I was in marching band. I was also in choir. But uh, so I was all music. It's really funny. You know, people always assume I would be, I would have been a theater guy, but I was not. I was not in theater as a kid. I were as a, as a high school kid. I, I did theater in grade school actually quite a bit, but uh, not, not then. I, I locked into band in junior high. And after that, I was hooked. So I loved the marching. I loved the performing I was never the greatest saxophone player, but I, because of my showmanship, I always uh, ended up being first chair and everything because I, I had a lot of flash. Um, so anyways, back then I wore suits. I've mentioned that before too. And I was, uh, so this is, you know, the 1980s here. 
what are we talking about, like 1985, 86, I think. And, uh, and you know, Back to the Future was big. Huey Lewis in the News was big. Miami Vice was big. All these things were huge. So I would wear the, the suits, you know. I, I had a red Huey Lewis suit, and I had the red Converse high tops. And I wore that to band uh, rehearsals the first week, the first day, actually. And my wife, Allison, who was a freshman, so she was like, uh, I think, 13 years old, 13 or 14 years old, my daughter's age at this time, which is crazy. The age of my daughter now uh, is the age my wife was when I met her. And so she was in my squad and she marched directly behind me. And so I was a pretty goofy guy, as I've mentioned before. I like to joke around. I like to keep it fun. But I was also a really good marching guy and I was a really good instructor at it. So I would joke with her and her friends and stuff and they'd all giggle. And I had no idea. I found this out two years later when we started dating. But at the time, she had a big crush on me. (laughs) She did. She even wrote a friend of hers and said, I met this cutest guy and, oh, he sees he's cute and he's funny. And, you know, he wears suits and he's kind of unique and silly and strange and does voices and jokes around and is goofy. And he's so cute and all of that. And, but then see, sadly, I was dating somebody else at the time because, you know, I was very popular (laughs) and Allison saw me holding hands with this other girl at school, walking down the hall. And she went, Oh, he's got a girlfriend. Forget it. He's off limits. So she, she blocked me from her mind. And, uh, two years later, our best friends were dating and I, uh, so I was actually out of school at this point because uh, as we, as I've mentioned before, I left school early and uh, after 10th grade. And so uh, actually right after the uh, first few weeks of band rehearsal in what would have been my 11th grade year is when I officially left school. So that, but it's a good thing I was there because then I got to see her and meet her there and she got to march with me and everything. But a few short weeks later, I left school. So uh, two years later, our best friends are dating. And so we're seeing each other all the time because they're together. And I, I'm like, this gal is great. She's just a kick. She's so funny. So I had, I was a DJ already in my hometown of Santa Barbara at this radio station, K-Tide, K-T-Y-D, 99.9, classic rock, you know, and it was great. And so we did concerts and stuff and we would host the concerts and I was a DJ. I was the night rocker. My shift was eight to midnight every night, Monday through Friday. I had a show on, on the air. And so I would host the concerts. So we had Sting, you know, Sting from the police and Sting, of course, uh, you know, famous singer, huge, one of my favorite musicians of all time. He was playing at the Santa Barbara County Bowl. So he's playing at the bowl and I am the DJ that is the host for the night to take all the fans that won backstage passes back to meet Sting. So I go backstage, I meet Sting, I get my picture taken with Sting, he signs a poster for me, all this stuff, right? I got all this is very cool. I have met Sting. I'm on cloud nine. So I go over to my buddy John's, who's my best buddy. I go to his house and all our friends are there and it's one of these kind of, you know, high school parties. Uh, not Not like people aren't like, you know like in movies, but like a regular high school party where people are kind of playing games and hanging out and whatever. And Allison is there bored because her best friend, Holly, is off with my best friend, John, you know, being boyfriend and girlfriend. And so she's left alone. So I, I go in and I see her there sitting at the table in the kitchen 
And everybody's like, James, wow, look at you got the, you know, I've got my backstage pass for Sting because I just come from the concert. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, so cool, so cool. You know, I'm at Sting, I'm at Sting. I'm thinking I'm pretty cool because I'm this DJ and stuff and everybody's loving me and everybody's falling all over me. And she could care less. She was like, so? So what? Big deal. What do you think you are? And, <laughs> and she still, you know, liked me. But uh, she was giving me a bad time and I was, I just loved it. It was so funny. I was like, oh my gosh, she's great. And so it occurred to me, I need to ask this girl out. So I asked her out on a date and uh, that was, uh, so that was on April 1st, uh, 1989. And by April 4th, a few days later, we went on our first date and it was a double date with John and Holly. And we went to, we were going to go to a restaurant and we go to the restaurant. I had made reservations all, you know, going to be very fancy, a fancy restaurant in town. And they had a power outage. So we ended up going across the street to this other place, like an El Torito and just eating fajitas. And um, so rather than my fancy thing, my plans fell through because I was Mr. You know, romance. And then we went to a movie at the Granada Theater in Santa Barbara. And we watched a movie called Biloxi Blues that starred Matthew Broderick and Christopher Walken. If you've ever seen the movie, it's crazy. It's great. It's a Neil Simon script and a very, very funny, good, intense movie. And so we went and saw that and we're sitting there and, you know, our friends are like, hold hands, hold hands, trying to get us to, you know, her friends trying to get her to hold my hand and my friends trying to get me to hold her hand. And just as the lights go out for the movie to start, I grab her hand <laughs> and, uh, and I do not let go. I proceed to hold her hand throughout the entire movie. However, holding somebody's hand for 90 minutes, you know, gets clammy and sweaty and hot and cramped and all that. So if I needed to give a break to my hand, I would take my other hand and hold her hand and let go and give my hand a rest. And so we still joke around about that now. So I would uh, switch hands. And uh, so, yeah, so it was funny. And then we went for a walk on the beach because we lived in a beach town, Santa Barbara. And that's where we had our first kiss and it was very romantic. And the rest is history. My wife, Allison, and I have been together uh, over 30 years now. And uh, we never broke up. We never had any breakups or any big fights. We got married very young. So she was 16 when we started dating and she was 19 when we got married. And I was 21 and it was fantastic. And we've been married uh, happily ever since. And the biggest key to all of it, communication. People always say, what's the biggest key to successful marriage? Communication, talking it through. I've mentioned this before, talking it through no matter what. Saying what's on your mind, getting it off your chest, but saying, I just have to say this. And, and then not holding grudges, not holding things back, not holding things against each other. Um, you don't want to build up resentments. And enjoying and telling yourself, this is the one person I want to be with more than anything in life. So I'm, you know, even when I feel like they're not the person I want to be with, I have to remind myself, no, actually, I'm happier with this person than I am with anyone else on the planet. And this person gets me. And that's what love is. So that's Allison and James in a nutshell. And that's how we met. And again, uh, that's how we started dating. And the rest is history. We dated and dated after that. We got engaged a couple years later, and then married shortly thereafter, much to her parents' chagrin. They were not thrilled with us getting married so early. Everybody's like, oh, it'll never last. It'll never last. And here it is, uh, 28 years later of marriage, over 30 years of being together. And we actually couldn't be happier. 
And that's the way it is. And that's the way I hope it is for all of you. That's my prayers for all of you that are married. Those of you that are looking to get married, those of you that are hoping to find relationship, I pray for God's blessings on all of you. And just just be patient. Give it time. Be honest. And don't let your emotions overrun everything. Also use logic in thinking things through, but also let your heart be filled with the love you have for each other always. And remember that love from when you start dating so when times get tough later, you can recall that and know that it's all worth it because having a partner in life like that is a beautiful, wonderful blessing, okay? So there you go. That's my story there, Austin. Uh, sorry, Bob, I went on a long time. Oh, no, he will. No, he was, it was quite delightful. I, I enjoyed hearing that quite a bit. Did you know that story, Bob? I, no, I didn't know that story at all. Well, I'm glad I could share it with you. And then he also had a question about uh, your dog, Elmo. He was wondering if, I had, uh, if you had uh, any stories about your dog, Elmo. Uh, dogs are truly angels from heaven, and Elmo is an adorable name. Uh, yes, uh, Austin. Um, so my uh, dog, Elmo, what my wife and I got him when we were, we had been married, oh, I'm going to say about six years, and we decided, let's get a dog. We again knew we couldn't have children of our own biologically. We thought we'll get a little doggy. So we went to this place called the Amanda Foundation, which is a uh, a place that takes in dogs. They rescue them from the, the from the pound even, you know, because when they go to the pound, they're only there for so many days. And then, you know, ugh. so this place is one. And there's many of these foundations. Look them up all over wherever you are. I'm sure there's one near you. It doesn't necessarily mean it would be the Amanda Foundation because that's just out in Beverly Hills. But there are many foundations that do this, that rescue animals like this. And they have wonderful animals. And so we went, uh, a friend of mine, another fellow voice actor, uh, Cam Brainerd, uh, saw in the paper because I was looking for like a Jack Russell or something. I loved the Eddie on Frasier and I love Jack Russells. And there was a thing in the paper saying that there's a Jack Russell at the Amanda Foundation. So we called him up and we said, can we come in and see uh, this dog, Pal? They named him P-A-L. And... They said, sure, come on in. We made an appointment to go see him on that weekend. We went to see uh, him and he was not like a traditional Jack Russell. He was a Chihuahua Jack Russell mix. So he looked kind of, you know, when he looked like the old Taco Bell dog. Remember the old, you get a Taco Bell, who is my friend, Carlos Azraki. That's right. The voice of Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life and so many other cartoons. He was the Taco Bell Chihuahua. But uh, my dog Elmo kind of looked like the Taco Bell Chihuahua, but bigger. He was the size of a Jack Russell, but he had the coloring and the ears and the look of a Chihuahua. He was an amazing, amazing dog. He got the both the best traits of both of those dogs put into him. He was he was just a mutt, and he was the most delightful little creature ever. And I agree, Austin, that uh, dogs truly are angels from heaven. And so, okay, so his name, Pal. They named him Pal because they they give names. Now we thought his name was Pal, but. They just started calling him pal there because all the other animals, be it a cat or a dog or whatever, Elmo was friendly with. He was their pal. So they went, oh, let's name him pal. So that's usually how it works at these places. They give just names that are suiting, suited for them when they see them, but they allow you to then rename them. We had always loved Elmo from Sesame Street. Elmo, Elmo is very nice. And so I wanted to name a dog Elmo and... There, there he was. And so we, we, so they let you take him for a walk. So we take him for a little walk and this is the test, you know, to see how well he does. Well, he's on the walk and, you know, we didn't know anything, you know, like now we listen to like Cesar Milan and the dog whisperer and we learn all the techniques and stuff, but we didn't know anything at the time. 
Uh, neither one of us really. Allison grew up with. Uh, they had a dog for a short time, but you know, and I had a dog for a short time, and you know. So we're like, oh, this dog's not really listening to us. We're going, pal, pal, he's not responding. We don't know. That's because it's not his, really his name. It's just the one they just gave him at this uh, foundation. So so um, we're walking back from a walk that was just fine, but I was like, ah, he's pretty cool. My wife's like, I don't know. I don't know. We're walking back, and then these other people are walking this Dalmatian puppy, which is just like, hey, how you doing? You know, and he's just happy to be there. So he's jumping all over, and he, he runs to jump on Allison, and Elmo gets in front of her and goes to the to the little the the dalmatian the puppy and kind of like goes hey buddy you know like because elmo's older and he's like hey watch it and he's like protecting her and from that point on allison was like sold this is my dog <clears throat> they they had just a wonderful relationship he would every night snuggle with her while watching TV and uh, he would uh, sleep up on our bed with us uh, at times. And then he, he, but he had a little bed that he would go to and stuff too. But he was, he was a fantastic, fantastic friend, companion, and just a magical little doggy. And Elmo was with us till he was 12 and sadly passed. He, he was too young, but he had, um, when we got him, he was about three years old, as far as I could tell, you know, from dental records and such. And, um, he had a big scar on his inner thigh and we think he was attacked by another dog at one point. So he had some hip problems and he had to have hip surgery when he was a little older and that threw his back out and he had all sorts of really bad back problems for a little doggy. But boy, he was a fighter and he fought till the very end, but it just got to the point uh, where he, he couldn't fight anymore. And uh, ah, I'm getting, I'm getting a little choked up here, folks. Ah, Elmo was a, a, a wonderful little dog. He was a ray of sunshine to our lives. We have pictures of him all over our house still. We speak of him. We listen to him. I have audio files of him. You want to hear Elmo? Here's Elmo. I have sound files of Elmo here. That's my little dog Elmo barking. When I would do comedy bits and things for radio and I needed the sound effect of a dog, I would bring Elmo in and I'd have him do this stuff. So that's that's him barking and growling. I'd get him to, he was he was so trained so well. He would do whatever I said, growl and he'd growl, bark and he you know speak, he'd speak. And that's him there. So if I needed him to be a bigger dog, I'd pitch him down. If I needed him to be a, a smaller dog, I'd pitch him up. See? So Elmo was our our little uh, drop of heaven, and then uh, three months after we ado- uh, we adopted our daughter Lydia and and returned home with her, is when Elmo passed. He it's like he stayed. He held on long enough to meet Lydia, and to see that we were going to be okay with a new family member, and then we said goodbye, and it was very very hard, but a beautiful wonderful part of our lives and so many of you have been blessed with wonderful wonderful companions in your dogs and some some of you have shared your stories with me so god bless you all and god bless the doggies and the kitties i as as, even though i you know i was a cat person growing up but i became a dog person as i got older even though i was afraid of dogs most of my life and got bit by them uh my friend brian growing up he had dogs and 
they were so sweet. They were big Labradors and stuff. And that's where I learned to not fear dogs. And that's when I became just a lover of dogs. And Elmo was the best little doggy in the world. So this episode is dedicated to my dog, Elmo. And I thank you all for joining me. It's time to close the show. I need to close with something funny and fun for you in a voice. So let's let's do that before... Well, first, let's bring in Mr. Announcer Guy. Yes, James. Do your thing. Talking to myself, the James Arnold Taylor Podcast is a production of YumiGo Inc. Recorded at Chat Studios. Engineered, written, recorded, and produced by, you guessed it, James Arnold Taylor. All voices are parody and should be construed as entertainment only. All music and sound effects used with permissions and licenses through Backtracks, Digital Juice, Production Tracks, and Partners in Rhyme. James Arnold Taylor's Talking Myself, the podcast, copyright 2019, all rights reserved. Thank you, sir. You got it, my man, J-A-T, Jetman. <laughs> okay. Oh, and uh, thank you, Bob. Oh, in doobity-dee, bye-bye. Well, we've had a great time here on the podcast today, so let's close it out with something fun. Okay, now this one is going to be fun for me, and for most of you, you're not going to know this song. Now, you know, as you know, I like to close the show with doing a creative, one of my character voices and reading something. I usually like song lyrics. I think that it's fun. We've done the Minions singing Mbop. We've had Obi-Wan singing Higher Ground. So for you now, one of my favorite characters to do is Magneto. I've been the voice of Magneto for, I want to say about four or five years now for uh, Marvel games and things, the online games and such and, and different things. There's been many of us, many different voice actors that have played Magneto. I love being Magneto because it's just this big, brilliant British voice, which is one of my favorite things to do. So for you now, I thought, what can I do for Magneto? And I thought, there's a song that I know that's, again, it's from, I believe it's from the 70s. And it is by a fellow by the name of Walter Egan. But it's a very cool song. Uh, You know, if you get a chance, if you have uh, Spotify or Apple Music, look up this song, Walter Egan, Magnet and Steel. That is what Magneto is going to speak for you now as we close the James Arnold Taylor podcast. So Magneto... From the X-Men world, reading Walter Egan's Magnet and Steel. For you now, on the James Arnold Taylor Podcast. 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 Now I told you, so you ought to know. Oh, it takes some time for a feeling to grow. Oh, but you're so close now, I can't let you go. Oh, I can't let go. With you, I am not shy to show the way I feel. With you, I might try my secrets to reveal. For you are Magnet, and I am the Steel. Actually, I am the Magnet. I am Magneto. You are the Steel. Now, you shall bow down before Magneto. Calm down, Magneto. Just read the lyrics. Oh, yes, sorry. You are Magnus, and I am Steel. Thank you. You're welcome. Goodbye. Goodbye, pathetic human. Stop it. Stop it. Stop copying me. Stop copying me. That's it, Put a hole through the roof, Magneto. All right, everybody. 
Thanks for joining me on the James Arnold Taylor Podcast. I gotta clean all this up now. Got a new desk from Johnny Test. Hole in the roof from Magneto. This podcast is rough. Eh. Oh well. Bye-bye. Oh, stop it, Magneto. Yeah.